This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome into episode number 99 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. We are one episode away from a milestone or whatever is potentially a milestone. I don't really understand why it's a milestone. It's just a big fancy number uh, with three digits. But speaking of threes, uh, St. Cloud State men's hockey, uh, three games on the docket and not a bad little weekend for our men's hockey team to claw back into the NCHC standings. Women's hockey had three games this week as well, plus a St. Thomas game that we have yet to talk about. So uh, those are also in there as well. I didn't throw it in the notes and just realized that, Nick. So uh, good luck with that. Anyway, nice. uh, you're welcome. We're actually going to predict a little bit of some NCHC uh, uh, finishes as well and kind of see what our predictions are going to be um, and take a look at the finishing schedule for the NCHC and where we think the teams are going to end up and a little bit of tiny discussion about the Minnesota Wild. You won't want to miss it. And we'll start, as always, with quite a few topics in Center Ice View News and Notes in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. As you mentioned, on Center Ice View News and Notes, uh, men's team, Definitely had a very busy schedule this week. Three games, one on Tuesday. Part of the makeup game against Minnesota Duluth. And then the normal weekend series against a very good team in Western Michigan. Uh, a couple of ties. Um, and then a Saturday night uh, win. So how about that, right? A uh, little bit of a breakdown, right? Uh, Duluth, first 40 minutes, not great. Uh, down to nothing going into the third. Um, but able to come back. Uh, a late tie goal by Spencer Meyer. Um, a very good overtime period, but ultimately it was uh, Mietnan that won it in the shootout uh, for the St. Cloud State Huskies uh, to knob that extra NCHC point, although in NCAA records, again, officially a tie. Um, Saturday, um, excuse me, I keep thinking it's Tuesday, Friday again. Let's actually go back to Friday, right? Yeah. Uh, holy cow. Uh, this was a, a race to five, um, but it ended up being a race to six. Uh, both teams <laughs> going back and forth. Uh, in this game, uh, defensive coaches, I'm sure, were pulling their hairs out. Um, end up being yet another tie. Um, Huskies, I thought, actually, later on in that game, uh, actually, I think, controlled a lot of the tempo. Uh, just really couldn't get, um, you know, that uh, that over-the-top goal, um, either in regulation the overtime and the Broncos ended up winning it in a shootout. Uh, again, a, a couple of really nice shots, actually, here by the Broncos. Uh, and then Saturday, a much, much more... Uh, uh, 
calmer game, as we can say it, right? Um, just a, an overall chess match, Huskies breakthrough, and then the game started to open up after that. Uh, Huskies really, really were in control again in the third period. I potted a couple, uh, end up being pretty close, uh, but then getting the insurance goal on the power play, uh, then an empty netter by Kupka. So, uh, spectacular week overall. Uh, Mike and Miller, Zach Wakabi, uh, Crandall of Metnin, uh, and then Lidke. I thought also some names that stood out this weekend. Um, but now after this week, SCSU overall 15 9 and 3, 7 7 and 3 in the NCHC conference. Uh, the big other series to watch was Duluth taking on Denver. Uh, Duluth coming back on Saturday after being down 2-1 in the third. They scored two consecutive to take it 3-2. So that was a nail-biter. So Huskies still four points away from the Bulldogs. Uh, but uh, these teams will face again, actually, three more times here yeah. before the end of the season. Uh, speaking of next uh, scheduling, right? Uh, St. Club will travel to Omaha to take on the Mavericks. Had a bit of a tough weekend themselves this last weekend. Uh, and then it's Colorado College back at home um, before another Tuesday makeup game, the 22nd again against Duluth at home as well. Yeah, so to put that in order, it's actually Omaha followed by Duluth and then Colorado College to, to cap end on that one. So we get uh, Duluth right away here. And then Duluth will actually bookend the season as well, too. The Huskies will finish uh, up at Amsoil Arena there. So um, we'll have some more schedule predictions as we hit our extra ice session today. A lot of things to look forward to as well. Nick, women's hockey news. Um uh, close, but no cigar for St. Cloud in three of the four games. They did get a victory uh, on Sunday, but a couple of WCHA powerhouses uh, giving them a little bit of trouble later on in the week. Let's start with Sunday, shall we? Uh, Emma Gentry, Allison Green, and Nicole Ness, uh, the three goal scorers, the Huskies jumping out to a 3-1 to one lead, ultimately holding on 3-2 to two against the St. Thomas Tommies. Uh, shots were 25 for St. Cloud and 25 for St. Thomas, so a pretty even game on the docket on that one. As we move back over to Tuesday's hockey game, the Huskies welcomed, welcomed a makeup game against Ohio State, uh, ending in a 6-2 loss for St. Cloud. Sophomore Samuel Holma peppered uh, 45 shots in that hockey game. Taylor Lind, Emma Gentry, again, the lone goal scorers in that one. Uh, the best chance of the weekend, I think, for St. Cloud to get a victory uh, came on Friday night, uh, hosting the University of Minnesota um, against the Gophers, where a 5-3 loss saw St. Cloud actually enter the game uh, in period three, tied 2-2, two two, and they were actually up 2-0. Uh, Emma Gentry and Nicole Ness were the two goal scorers to get the Huskies started in period number one, uh, and then the Gophers did what they normally do. Um, Olivia Savar tacked one on at the end of that hockey game, and Savar would be the lone goal scorer on Saturday as well. Uh, the Gophers, again, taking care of business a little more cleanly uh, in a 5-1 to one win. So the team moving to 9 19 and 2 on the season and 4 18 and 2 in the WCHA. So, what does that mean? Well, Nick, we are kind of ticking down towards the end of the season already for women's hockey. Mm -hmm. uh, they host Duluth uh, in their makeup game this Tuesday um, at 3 o'clock. So, women's hockey has Duluth this Tuesday. Men's hockey has Duluth next Tuesday. Um, for those who are keeping track, that game's at 3 o'clock for anyone who is looking to kind of head on over to the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center. Um, and then, uh, the women's team will actually head to Duluth this weekend to finish off their regular season before the WCHA quarterfinals. So, Nick, a uh, lot of hockey, and uh, I think we're going to get sick of saying the word Duluth if we haven't <laughs> already. Not really. I like Duluth. <laughs> I do too, actually. I like Duluth. And I, and I like Max, for all of you who are wondering. Max Beach is a good guy. <laughs> um, it's always a good rivalry, honestly. Yes, um, it is. And, and again, for, for those who... Um, I know I preach him a lot, but Scott Salem, just an unbelievable human being, uh, has that program uh, just buzzing. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's it's one thing. It's, it's 
it's one thing to have that competitive spirit, right? That, you know, you want your team to do well um, and, and you want that good battle. And, and I think that's what makes, you know, that connection between the Huskies and, and the Bulldogs so much more special. They just play the game the same way. Um, you know, they're, you could call it their, uh, their pillars of success, right? Are built uh, around their coaching staff and just the culture they have. And it's just a wonderful uh, environment to, to, to just even kind of sniff at, cause we really don't know everything up and the conversations I've had with Scott Sandler over years. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful human being and, uh, you know, it, and it's, it's so nice to be able to, especially if you're like a high school hockey player to know that you have options and you can go to programs that are very close around the state that have, you know, programs that not only make you a better hockey player, but also make you a better person too. So I yeah. think that's, you know, Espe- especially with that connection too, with Brett Larson and Scott Sandlin too, I think that kind of just increases in, you know, the interesting you know piece of that, obviously Brett, part of a couple of those national championship uh, wins and a couple of runs as well too. And, carrying that over to St. Cloud and, you know, making St. Cloud arguably one of the, one of the strongest, uh, you know, teams in college hockey as a result too. So it's good to see Minnesota hockey grow. And yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think there's other NCHC teams that uh, we don't care for much uh, a little bit less, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of not caring for less, uh, I mean, <laughs> you, you there's nothing else to say, Noah, right? Other than Chicago just can't seem to stop tripping over themselves honestly um more news is that the team had announced they had fired a longtime athletic trainer um in their ahl affiliate uh, following an investigation of sexual harassment uh trainer gj jones uh, had been terminated in november um this news although recently broke i think last week or uh earlier this this uh, current week um, and according to sources, the person alleging the sexual harassment was a member of the team's ice crew. And the allegations were from an incident that happened again years ago. So this was something that it appears was handled in a similar way. It wasn't really dealt with. Um, and then most recently, these allegations came forward. Now, I suppose if there's any bit of good news here is that it sounds like once these allegations made it to the right people um it was dealt with actually pretty uh, efficiently um so maybe some signs of progression there but still uh chicago just can't seem to keep the bad pr out of uh, out of their headlines so that's that's unfortunate there um speaking of uh headlines that are confusing and maybe not so much uh good right um arizona um, announcing that they have officially reached an agreement with Arizona State University to uh, essentially lease from them in their new building for the next three seasons. Uh, this has been also endorsed by the National Hockey League. Uh, one thing it has not been endorsed by, and this is important, is the NHL Players Association. Um, we could have an entire discussion on that later. Um, but according to this agreement, again, the what is now a 5,000 seat arena, although likely with renovations, because again, the NHL cannot use collegiate locker rooms. They got to keep separate things. It's likely going to reduce to as low as 3,200, maybe somewhere in the 4,000 range. And uh, this agreement would keep the Coyotes um, in that facility um, between 2024, maybe 2025. They have a one year additional option. Um, here's what's funny, Noah, is that this is all under the assumption that this proposal in Tempe gets approved for a brand new permanent facility, which has not happened yet. So it's interesting because at the end of it, it this, this is fine, right? At least kind of, they have somewhere to play. 
but they also don't, right? So we still yeah. have to keep an eye on the Tempe proposal. Um, it, it sounds like, uh, again, there's another potential option uh, north of the current site, the one that's been, uh, that they actually did a proposal for. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the Coyotes are running out of options for Arizona. There's no question about it. Um, so we'll keep our eyes on that. Um, let's continue on forward in management and coaching news. Uh, so a lot of changes, actually. Uh, so uh, how about starting in Edmonton? Uh, because apparently Dave Tibbet can stop pucks in net. Um, yes, that was not a shout-out to Mike Smith. Um, <laughs> he was relieved of his coaching duties in Edmonton. Um, Jay Woodcroft, uh, it was his essentially interim replacement. Uh, Montreal um, also relieving uh, uh, Dominique Ducharme um, and also giving former NHLer and one of my favorite smaller players to watch, uh, Martin St. Louis, uh, the the new coaching uh, gig out there in Montreal. Um, sounds like, you know, St. Louis uh, also gave a three-year extension to Craig Berube. Um, also did a couple of St. Louis players receiving extensions, Robert Bartuzzo for two years and Logan Brown for a single year. And then because we don't have enough news to talk about, let's continue on to this train. Uh, Scott Niedermeyer, cup champ, right? Uh, special advisor to the GM in Anaheim. Um uh, Danny Breer, also in Philadelphia, knew a special assistant to GM Chuck Fletcher. There is no doubt in my mind Danny, uh, Danny Breer is going to eventually kick Chuck Fletcher out of his seat very soon. Um, <laughs> and then, seriously, um, yeah. the, the way that Chuck Fletcher has completely botched um, the Philadelphia Flyers team uh, in a very short amount of time um, is actually kind of sad. That Flyers team is in complete free fall right now. Um, and in Vancouver, this is actually pretty exciting. Yeah, Cammy Granado, which who had actually been a scout for uh, the Seattle Kraken this year, uh, was named a Canucks uh, new assistant GM. Um, so pretty cool, actually, for Cammy Granado. Uh, first, I think, women uh, uh, to be in an assistant GM role in, in an NHL front office. Um, and this is after being the first female pro scout for an NHL squad here for Seattle. Again, she was named in 2019, a full year before the team actually started really to, to do, you know, and actually uh, uh, getting any players. So uh, good for Cammy and uh, yeah, hope to see what she does with the uh, team in Vancouver. That's uh, has been actually a little bit better now under Bruce Boudreau. Yeah. And moving from Seattle who has only won like 16 games this year. So we'll have to see if both of those squads can kind of pick themselves up from their respective slides in the Pacific. Uh, let's move on to our last topics here. Uh, player extension, a trade, uh, signing, uh, some injuries and a retirement. Uh, let's start in Tampa. Three-time Stanley Cup winner Patrick Maroon earned a two-year extension while Owen Sound's Matt Gusta netminder signed an entry-level contract with Florida this past week. This has kind of been one that uh, has kind of slid it under the radar, but still made headlines. Uh, the Panthers were one of a handful of teams looking at the OHL standout who's posted some pretty darn impressive numbers in the net this year. Toronto was one of the other teams that was really linked to him for a long time. And kind of interesting that the Panthers, who I would say by no means, even with the loss of Devin Levi in that trade last year, are not necessarily struggling with goaltending depth, so to speak. Not really. But add it to the pipeline, why don't you? Um, speaking of our goaltenders and the Minnesota Wild, a minor league deal between the Wild and the Montreal Canadiens saw netminder Andrew Hammond. He's headed to Montreal for forward Brandon Baddock. And in retirement news, other netminders just weeks after his much-covered return to the NHL, Boston Stukarask has hung up the pads after 15 seasons. This one was kind of sad to me um, to kind of yeah. see this one end up the way that it did. But uh, the 34-year-old, four games this season after returning from hip surgery, but he just didn't feel like his body was up to the task. I mean, uh, you know, some players just kind of hit that point. Speaking of Montreal, we're curious about a guy like Shea Weber, 
and seeing if he's ever going to make his return to the National Hockey League. Doubt it. But, but uh, Rask was a first-round pick of a Canadian team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, back in 2005, dealt the next season. Uh, but he appeared in 564 games for the Bruins. Um, and I didn't know this. I mean, I kind of knew it. But it's still impressive when you think about it, Nick. The Finnish netminder completing his career with the fourth best save percentage in league history, a 921. Dominic Hoshik leads the pack with a 922, followed by Hall, Hall of Famers Johnny Brower and Ken Dryden. So that's some pretty impressive company. And uh, um, Bauer and Dryden both have a 921, but beat him statistically because I believe of games played, um, I think is what mm -hmm. that comes down to. But I. Uh, Pretty impressive stuff uh, from Tuka Rask. Before we head on to our injuries, Nick, anything you wanted to add about Tuka? Because obviously you and I, um, his career was smack dab in the middle of us growing up and watching the game of hockey. Uh, you know, he was a goaltender when he took over for Tim Thomas, right? Uh, you know, Tim Thomas was, <laughs> he was an entertaining goaltender watch, uh, but Tuka Rask is, you know, much more sound in, term, in terms of his positioning. He was a very quiet goaltender, never seemed to get, Rattled unless you you had a long fuse big bomb. There were a couple of uh, times where uh, he had a bit of a you know a, kind of like an on ice exorcism for himself. But uh, he, he's a hell of a competitor um, and a very very solid goaltender. Um, watching him win a cup in 2011, um, you know he he essentially carried that squad uh, to that cup victory. Um, so it, it's sad because you know coming off of that injury you know we had doubts. In fact, I expressed my doubts that he would make a return. Um, he ended up making one which was more than i thought that he would do um but then unfortunately it just seemed like that injury wasn't behind him and at his age and you know after winning a cup uh you know i think he just felt like at this point this was just uh you know the right time and i think it, it was uh, for tuka rask and again he he'll go down as one of the league's best uh goaltenders as you mentioned before and for boston for sure um so we, we wish him the best and it's just an unfortunate way to, to end your career yeah, kind of interesting. I think actually it was Tim Thomas in 2011, though. That was kind it of was main, Tim Thomas. The, you're right. The main guy. It was 2019 that he really carried That's the was, yeah. all, all the way through. But of course, St. Louis getting that one in uh, Boston in game seven and that one. But nonetheless, like you mentioned, yes, and he is a Stanley Cup champion. I think there was talk about him trying to get one of his own, um, obviously, yes. back uh, in 2019, obviously having the painful memory of uh, 2013. As well, too, the Chicago, Chicago. Blackhawks. Yeah, that's yeah. the uh, the Dave Boland, uh, uh, the Dave Boland, less than a minute left, game six. Yeah, and, um, Stu, and Stu Bickle tying that game Stu up from Bickle. Jonathan Taves because we love talking about that group of Blackhawks. Anyway, although right. we do hope that Stu Bickle is uh, obviously doing much better uh, with his um, story as well, too. Um, moving on. Uh, let's talk about some more Central Division foes. Nathan McKinnon finally returning for Colorado, but uh, Edmonton losing Duncan Keith for a month with a concussion and forward Zach Cassian for one to two months with a fractured jaw. And the Philadelphia Flyers, like you mentioned, uh, continue their slide and losing one of their better players. Sidelining Sean Couturier, who just had back surgery, who ends his year with 17 points in 29 games. And welcome in episode number 99, the Wayne Gretzky episode here on the Huskies Warming Hills podcast. We're going to start, uh, uh, usually we start with trivia, but we are going to start with some women's hockey here. But before we get to that very quickly, Nick, uh, you are working the Western Michigan games uh, and the Duluth games this week uh, in terms of Huskies hockey. How was that? And uh, how was the rest of your week when you weren't at the rink 24-7? Busy. This oh, was a hell of a week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, not that my schedule already isn't, you know, jam packed. Uh, what's with... what's the gas bill looking like? 
uh, it's, it's not good. We'll put it that way. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's these weeks that when you get through them, right. And you look back, um, you're going to almost want them again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird, but yeah, in the moment it's stressful, um, you know, between, uh, especially the Tuesday game against Duluth, uh, and then obviously the double, uh, Friday, Saturday here against Western Michigan with some, uh, women's, uh, funds, you know, thrown in there as well. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been a grind, um, a little bit of a break this week, although we start prepping for what's going to be, uh, essentially our, our senior night special coming up here, uh, for HP, uh, and for the seniors on the ice here. So, uh, it, it just doesn't get much, uh, not much of a break, even though they're, they're not playing at home this week. Um, actually have some, some other broadcasts I'll be doing. I'll be doing some, some high school hockey, Lakeville North on Tuesday, and then also some basketball. Mm. Yes, I said basketball mm. Mm. on on Friday there at down Lakeville North as well. So, um, yeah, wish me wish me luck. Just Let's remember do it that way. Just remember, Nick, the ball goes in the hoop, and it's two points or three points, and sometimes one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can figure <laughs> that out. Yeah, <laughs> actually. I actually called. A, I've actually called a, a St. Cloud basketball game a couple of years back, and actually it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Um, so you know, you, you don't you don't listen to what the scoreboard says, though, Nick. You just make up points depending on what how good you think it was. Okay, that's what I do normally. So yeah, I'm a pro at it. <laughs> It'll be fine. Uh, but let's actually talk about the women, shall we? Uh, this I say disappointing for a couple of reasons. One, um, first of all. I'm not trying to take anything away from the golfers. Nothing at all. Um, they're a solid hockey team. We all know how good they are. Yeah. But St. Cloud gave themselves a chance. And it's just like they just don't know how to hold a lead. Um, and that's, you know, you're up 2 nothing to the golfers. Um, and it, it was one goal. It was the 2-1 to one goal. And it, for whatever reason, it's just like the panic button goes off. And instead of just playing the same way and playing confident, you saw them cheat. You saw them, you know, not making crisp passes. You saw them making uh, essentially, you know, the wishing type plays, right? So they they got out of their game plan so quickly. And by the end of it, you know, and especially the backbreaker, it was tied in the last, I think, 18 seconds of the second period, uh, I think on Saturday. And then the wheels fell off from there. It's just, it's it's unfortunate um, to, to watch. It just, it is because they were in control of that game. Yeah, Minnesota had a lot of shots, but a, a, a good chunk of them coming from the outside. Um, and at the end of it, you know, when you're when you're almost ready to steal a game, Noah, you know, there, there's certain things you just you just have to, you know, just mentally, right? Just continue to tell yourself, just you know, don't waver, don't get away from the game plan, and stay true to what you have to do. And it, it's almost like this team has zero confidence in themselves because again, it took one goal and they were still had the lead and you could just see everything melt as far as what they were trying to do in front of them. And it's just, it's just, it ended up being more disappointing than I wanted it to be because again, I thought they played better than what the score ended up saying. And you could see how the game changed from the way they played. And the minute Minnesota got any momentum with that first goal, um, it's just disappointing. Yeah. Well, shots 60 to 17 on Friday. So, I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of shots. And then 47 to, uh, um, excuse me here, 20 uh, on Saturday as well, too. But yeah, like you had kind of mentioned, I mean, d- does that a little bit go back to, though? I mean, w- when you look at, you know, St. Cloud as of late, you know, they're not used to holding big leads, especially against teams like Minnesota. And I think, you know, when you when you haven't tasted success 
And then suddenly you start to find it against a team that maybe you didn't particularly think that you would jump out, you know, you know, in front heading into, you know, the second period. And then, you know, maybe having a chance to have a lead handing into period number three. I, I just feel like experience, like, like winning teams learn what it's like to win. You know, and, and that's I, fair, but here I'll make this point. I mean, too. I mean, I mean, the Huskies in history, I believe it's, it's either three or five total games that this team has beaten the Gophers and half of them came in 2010. Here, Here's my thing, though, and it, maybe this is a bit out there, but, you know, when you're when you're part of a, a squad and yes, you know, part of it is this team has not had a great run these last you know few years. I get that. Um, but when you're a, a college athlete and you're winning, to me, it's 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 a it's a decision to when you know. Let's put it this way: when when you're up to nothing and the first goal goes in, what ended up what ended up happening was you could see everything collapse. And instead of going to the girls, hey guys, we're still we're fine, we still got the lead. Let's con- let's continue to truck along here. It's it looked like they just said. Well, well, here we go. And their shoulders slumped. Um, their brains essentially turned off, uh, you know, as far as to play the game. And it, it, it just seemed like they felt at this point, OK, that was that was fun. And now here comes the big bad gophers. And this is how they're going to score eight, nine straight. I got that feeling from watching them on Friday. Um, and a little bit on Saturday as well. It's just like, yeah, I think statistically Saturday was a little bit better in terms of it shot, was. shot suppression, but Nick, I mean, you got to go back to this. I mean, let's go with, let's go with Friday period. Number one shots, 23 to six uh, in favor of the Gophers, 22 to five in period number two and 15 to six in period number three. I mean, that's just, as you know, that's not a recipe for success against any team. Doesn't have to be the Gophers. No. Um, and I got And I, um, I'm going to throw this out here. Um, and we love Steve and he's a great guy, but the Huskies three games left in the regular season, plus the WCHA quarterfinals, his contracts up at the end of, end of the year, Nick. And this team right now is, as we take a look at them is not doing too well. Nine, 18 and two on the season. Uh, is, is he in, in jeopardy of, a, of a regime change here, Nick? I think so. Um, I think, you know, there's, you know, the record itself isn't great. Um, but, Again, it's not just about the record. It's how are you playing? How how are you developing and how are you recruiting, right? I think actually the recruiting has actually been okay under his regime. But although, you know, we could say that a lot of that is being done by both Molly and Janelle. Um, at the end of it, you know, I do think there is a conversation to be had um, with Steve McDonald. Um, and I like the guy. I, I think actually he's a very good human being. But... Unfortunately, in the business of sports, whether it's college or pros or whatever you call it, um, you know, success dictates your future in that position. And right now for St. Cloud, uh, I just don't think there has been enough of a jump with him taking over the helm in his three years uh, being the head coach. Um, and I do think there is a very large possibility of the conversation of a, of a change at the head coach position. Um, it's going to come down to. You know what Heather Weems feels. I I, I think there is going to be uh, some input from the players as well, um, and kind of see where it goes. Uh, it's 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 not a fun story, right? Because even even if you know you're talking about a coach that hasn't won a single game, you know we we're hearing the same conversations with Rico Blasi, and it's like no, oh. like no, like the record isn't isn't always 
the the main driver of the conversation is how are you playing? Are you building towards something? And that team in St. Thomas, Rico, has got them playing. A bit of a disappointing weekend for them, but we'll digress from that conversation. But he's building that program. Um, and especially and going back to, to St. Cloud, again, the recruiting has been there. Um, this the results haven't been there. Uh so it's just, it's it's unfortunate, but you know I, I do think that you know there there's a very I think I think it's over fifty percent. We'll put it that way that Steve McDonald may not be renewed in his contract. And I guess the last question here before we talk about some current Huskies in the Olympics and kind of how that's going on, um, is this you know let's flip the flip the coin the other direction. Is this a Steve McDonald issue or is this an issue related to maybe the program just not having? you know, those extra one or two players that are game breaking. What I'm trying to say is if Steve McDonald's not returning, does it go back to more recruiting? Are the Huskies just missing some pieces here and a new coach might not fill that void particularly well? And that's a fair conversation. That's why I brought up recruiting in the first place, right? If you are building towards something, if you're getting some of those recruits, right? If you are making progress, right? Um, then that's a different story. Um, because I do, I mean, let's be honest, the Huskies women's are missing pieces. They are, they're, they're, they're missing, especially pieces on offense um, and goaltender. They're going to have to replace Emma Paluzny. They have Sammy, uh, Sonny Ohola, uh, but you still want more depth in the goaltending position. Um, you know, God forbid injuries or, or whatnot. I think Ohola actually has played pretty darn well in her time here for St. Cloud, um, but just not enough high end talent. Um, and I get it's tough, uh, especially with the program in its most recent history. It's hard to recruit into a program like that. Um, so that's a huge part of the conversation. Um, but I do think there is something to be said about coaching going back to Friday when you have a 2 nothing lead and it, there just isn't a belief that they can finish it. And I think that there is something to be said about coaching in that situation where you know you can take a team that isn't maybe the most high-end skilled but you can still make them play and believe. I mean, let's let's bring football into this. Look at the Detroit Lions of this year. Um, that team didn't have the greatest of, of seasons, you know, record-wise. But I'll tell you, I tipped my cap to them almost every single Sunday because that team played their hearts out. In fact, in a meaningless game in Week 17, uh, although half of Green Bay starters were out, guess what? They played hard and they ended up winning that game on paper against a depleted Green Bay team. But hey. They never took the foot off the gas, and that was actually yeah. very admirable to see. Um, you don't see that with this Husky squad, and I do feel like that's a lot about buying into the coach, the system, and the belief system, and I believe there is maybe some missing pieces there, and that is 100% on the coach and maybe even the coaching staff as well. And speaking of missing pieces, the Huskies, for the women's side, we were missing two of their uh, biggest scores on the season, Clara Himmler for the Czech Republic and Ina Newland uh, for Sweden. Uh, and they, of course, are both at the Olympics right now. Clara Himmler over four games to her credit. Uh, her Olympic campaign is done with a single goal, no assists. Same with Ina Newland in five games played, the same marker, a single goal, and no assists on that one. How do we get there, Nick? Well, let's take a look at some group results. How about the surprising effort for Japan this year? What a great entry for Group B for them. Uh, nine points uh, in their four games played, followed by the Czech Republic and Sweden, who are the three teams that punched their ticket to the medal round. China uh, just missing out by a single point. Good to see them uh, get a couple of points cool. there. Yeah, that I, was thought, cool. I thought that they played all right, too. Um, and Denmark uh, coming back with three. I thought Denmark was going to have a little bit of a stronger um, campaign than they did. 
in Group A, of course, all teams from Group A making the medal round, but it was Canada followed by the U.S. and then Finland, ROC, and Switzerland were all tied at three points apiece. So pretty obvious who dominated that uh, particular uh, group. And obviously the big one was Canada and the U.S. that a lot of people had their eyes on. Don't care what you say, though. We had our eyes on all the teams because women's hockey deserves to be in the Olympics. Uh, we're going to just leave it at that one, I think. Yes, <laughs> but, leave it but at that one. Let's take a look at uh, the medal round, shall we? Uh, like we mentioned, uh, Japan, Sweden, and the Czech Republic making the medal round. And last Tuesday, the preliminary uh, round ended. So it was the women's playoff quarterfinals, the U.S., a 4-1 to victory over the Czechs uh, on Friday. And then Canada, 11 to nothing. This one wasn't close. Uh, it Oh boy. In, the, in the playoffs in that one against Sweden and then Switzerland beating ROC four to two and Finland beating Japan by a score of seven to one. So what does that all mean? Nick it means that tomorrow on Monday, Canada will get Switzerland and the U S will get Finland to see who's going to head to the bronze and gold medal games. That gold medal game is going to be on Thursday. Bronze medal game going to be on Wednesday. I think for being honest with ourselves, Nick, U.S. and Canada probably heavy favorites. Uh, Very much so to make the gold medal game, but crazier things have happened. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, again, we got to see the U.S. and Canada match up a little bit in the prelims. If the U.S. and Canadians do meet this upcoming Thursday, who takes it all? Oh, I, I like the U.S. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I just like their speed. Um, I, I like the youth that they have. Um, it, it did appear also that that goaltender uh, Pasquale. Uh, which I believe was in the World Juniors, too, for Canada. He didn't look very particularly well. Uh, There's a couple of goals I thought he maybe wanted back um, in their game against uh, the U.S. early. Um, But at the end of the day, I I just I think U.S. has got the depth. I think they've got the speed and the skill to do it. And, uh, you know, in a in a very I'll say this for can't for fans of team canada um if this is nhl players i have a different answer for that but oh oh i'm still talking women's hockey here that too yeah that too (laughs) one one of those days yeah yeah if they're yeah if there were nhl players on on the women's team they might (laughs) give them a boost yeah Um, so but 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 yes uh, to kind of throw that in there um you are right you are kind of jumping into the men's i think for women's hockey that canadian team is a lot stronger than um we anticipated and they look really good um, as well too but we will jump over to the men's here why don't we only two two or three games played for most of these teams as we kind of enter Sunday um, uh, Sunday slashed almost Monday for a lot of <laughs> people that are in Beijing um, but the U.S. and Canada like you mentioned did match up the U.S. did look very good um, I thought in their preliminary um, schedule there on the get the next game for the United States um, Canada's actually playing China right now and the U S is actually playing right now. They're up playing two to Germany one, yep. up two to one against Germany. So, um, and that I'm trying to look here, men's schedule here. That actually might be it for the prelims. I think today is the last day if I'm not mistaken. So. so we are actually going to, uh, move into some playoff stuff here quickly, but, uh, the U S uh, sitting atop group a followed by Canada, Germany, and China, um, ROC, uh, narrowly leading Denmark, the Czechs and Switzerland. And then Finland leading Sweden, Slovakia, and Latvia, who has yet to get a point in this tournament. So, yeah, men's hockey. Uh, Sam Henches, I don't believe, has played yet. Um, if I'm Actually, not... looks like he's in right now. Yeah, it might. this might be his first game. And then Nick Perbrooks, of course, has been in the lineup um, as well. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that one. I think we'll talk a little bit more about the men's side probably next week because we should have more of a yeah. definitive answer uh, going on there. So let's move on to our St. Cloud State Huskies and some men's hockey here uh, pretty much from from here on out, although the Minnesota Wild were back in action. Uh, one quick blurb about Minnesota and the Wild. Clunker on Tuesday, 
Marcus Foligno exits the lineup. They respond against Carolina, get the three to two victory. Maybe would like to see them keep that lead extended a little bit last night against Carolina. But what did you like from Minnesota? What didn't you like in the past week coming off the all-star break? I didn't like the, the Marcus Foligno need of the head. I wasn't particularly happy about that. Um, you know, on the same token, I like the intensity he plays with just that extra shot, uh, you know, being off for two games, you know, and granted, that's his first ever suspension. Normally, Marcus Foligno is a click, you know, is a, he plays hard, but he plays clean. So mm-hmm. I didn't care for that. A little rust from the All-Star break. They didn't, they weren't like terrible, you know, but yeah. definitely was rusty. Um, but a really good matchup yesterday against Carolina. Um, watched the highlights when I got home from the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center last night. And uh, oh boy, um, yeah. Uh, Carolina, they're good, yeah. really, really good. And uh, both teams, I know, post game complimented each other quite a bit. How about um, that shot by Svechnikov yesterday? Whoa. That was whoa. nice. And for people who are like, How did that goal go in? That release was so deceptive. Like, I think it just surprised Cam Talbot. And I don't, don't care who you are when you got north of 95 or 100 coming at you on a wrist shot that you didn't expect to off see the coming. Post too. And yeah. it was perfectly placed, you know, gorgeous. and I, th- I think that's the one thing too, you know, you talk about that seven hole, you know, it's above the pad below the blocker um, and again, off the post and in, and, you know, when you're coming in, you know, on his essentially glove hand side and it's, you know, what backhand for and then it was off his stick in a matter of like a quarter of a second. And as you mentioned, just a deceptive release. And when you get that much wood on the release too, um, my goodness, that's uh, for any goal setter, that's a, that's a tough shot to handle. What do the Wild do with Kevin Fiala at the end of the year, Nick? Well, that's that's assuming he stays. Wink, wink. Um, so, uh, <laughs> should, should Bill Guerin try to make that happen? Uh, he's making the case to, isn't he? Because um, mm. I think for those who are looking for a center in JT Miller, uh, it's not going to happen. And the reason why I say that is uh, Vancouver, uh, not far out of a playoff spot. <laughs> Funny. Um, you know, with Bruce Boudreau coming in and kind of resurrecting, um, you know, what that uh, team has done. And, and, you know, I've always liked Bruce, um, but I also feel like Bruce is one of those uh, coaches where he definitely has an expiration date, per se. Yeah. Um, uh, Vancouver right now sitting uh, four, five points uh, out, of a, uh, out of the Pacific spot. Um, let's actually bring up the wild card spots here. Just a second. Um, they were right in front of me here, Nick. So, uh, in the West, uh, Vancouver is fifth in the wild card chase. Yep. So to speak, they're five points out. So same, same team that they're chasing, um, in the, in the Pacific there for that, that final spot. So, um, they have a chance now, you know, the, the one thing is, you know, can't do it. How does, um, they're, they're going to have to have one more, I would say big run where you string, you know, eight of 10 in there to probably have a, have a good look at it. I Here's think. the problem. They don't have time to devaluate that. They don't have time for that. Um, so the question is going to be for uh, the new Vancouver regime is, do they believe they can do that? Um, and that will dictate whether or not that's where they feel they could go. And do they instead hold on to assets or do they feel like, okay, this thing with Bruce is okay. Um, but we're not playoff contenders. Maybe we do end up maybe selling a piece or two uh, to get some to get some some draft capital per se. Yeah. Um, so so you know, going back to Minnesota, does Minnesota have the means by which to hang on to Kevin Fiala? I think that's the better question. I think all Minnesota Wild fans, I think especially at this point, and this was a long time coming. I think Kevin's underlying statistics said that he was due for a breakout this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, does Minnesota have the ability 
to retain number 22? Oh, it's tough, right? Because there's so many other questions on this hockey team as well. Um, Cause I, here, here's the big question. Um, the bigger question thing is Matt Dumba. And the reason why I say that is, you know, $6 million per year next year, um, his replacement, who is Kalen Addison uh, down there in Iowa, uh, you know, he needs a top four position to be successful. Um, guess what? Kalen Addison could be in that spot. The problem is Addison is not a big defenseman. And Minnesota, by and large, is not a big defensive core. Um, also, Matt Dumba, as much as I like Kalen Addison's game, is very similar to Jared Spurgeon. I think Dumba's shot and physicality, I think, put him in a class above Kalen Addison at the moment. Um, yeah. But the problem is, again, the cap crunch. And so there's there's a bigger puzzle than just looking at one player in Kevin Fiala. Um, obviously, you want to hang on to him if you can, right? I think the, the, the mantra has changed from... You know, what do you know? Can you know, does he a trade piece to how do we figure this out? And unfortunately for the Minnesota Wild, good for Kevin Fiala, his scoring, uh, he's been on a freaking torrid pace. Um, he's making that conversation, uh, much less appealing and much less app, you know, I guess, um, probable for the Minnesota Wild right now. Um, if, but- if, if you're general manager Bill Guerin uh, and it comes down to the season and let's say you have a chance to retain Kevin Fiala, but it's going to cost you maybe a million more than you anticipated. Do you keep killing Addison and do you get rid of a guy like, for example, uh, Alex Goligoski? Uh, I think Nick Bukestad and some of those guys obviously are maybe on their way out, but I'm saying if it comes down to it and you need one more player to go, is Alex Goligoski for as good as he's been for Minnesota, is he maybe the guy that you know, is the tight budgetary cut in favor of a prolific goal scorer right now? I think like, so. Yeah. Because you know. unfortunately, as good as Alex Galagoski has been, and I think if it's one thing that Bill Guerin has proved is that, you know, because we all saw with, you know, Carson Susan being let, you know, was it three defensemen gone for the Minnesota Wild? And we all thought, oh God, you know, half of the defensive course, this is going to be an absolute mess this season. Um, now we've, Guerin, got, now we've now, got uptown problems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, holy cow. How about John Merrill um, and Dmitry Kulikov in that third pair? And they've been excellent. So what he's, I think what the argument is, Goligoski at his age, and, you know, granted, he's still good. I think he's replaceable. I think you can replace him with uh, some, some much cheaper, um, uh, you know, money. Now, I know that when you overpay a defenseman also, and I think Michael Russo also touched yeah. on this as well, which is, you know, you, you kind of give him that a little bit of a boost and, and see if he does take maybe a discount second year. Um, but I do think the Minnesota Wild are in a position where um, he has to. Um, he has to take a discount to stay here. And if he doesn't, um, that's either a trade or a free agent acquisition. But I do think Galagoski is the sacrificial lamb in this in this instance to try to, again, circumvent a very tough cap situation. You have Victor Rask coming off the books. Um, I just I finally see that saga finally ending. Um, although when he's been called on, he's been good. Ben, exactly. He's been, he's been good. I mean, as far as a death piece that has, and that's the thing, he's never complained. He's never you, complained. That was actually going to be my next one. Uh, you know, if he, if he's league minimum, do you keep him? Actually, yes. I think if so he's, too. If he's league yep. minimum, you get him for 950000 850000 sign him. Because he, yeah. again, he's been nothing but a guy who has accepted his role. And it's hard. Pro athletes want to play. You know, and it's so hard sitting in the press box. It's hard going to another lineup is, 
you know, the way that he's done it. And again, when he's been in, he's contributed. Has he been, you know, super fantastic? No, but he's been serviceable and he's contributed on the point sheet. Hasn't been a total defensive liability. Um, and, so, I think, and I think the guys love him from from what it looks yeah, like. And he's uh, a good dude. Yeah, he is. Um, he's a good dude. And, you, and that's the other thing. If there's anything that you know let's talk about rumors right anything with the parisian suitor buyouts was really you know sort of cementing the flag right which is we're doing a culture change and victor raska you you can say what you want about he is as a hockey player that's fine we can debate that all we want but you can't debate what he is and how he's handled being in the position that he is he's handled it professionally he's been nothing but a great supporter of his teammates as well as the squad you can't find that a lot you know around very much especially with again if i'm set of the bench i'm being selfish i'm like God damn it, get me in the play, right? Yeah. Um, and he's handled it as best as you can. So yeah, if, if he says, Yeah, give me a contract, I earn, you know, nine or fifty thousand, I'm signing that all day long. Yeah, especially if unfortunately for Nick Bukestad has not had the greatest year and now he's been injured. He is skating again from what we've heard, but you know, just one of those years in a contract here that has not looked good for him. My no. final question about the Minnesota Wild, obviously, if you haven't guessed by now, uh St. Cloud State hockey, men's hockey is gonna be extra ice <laughs> for sure, yeah. and then some. Um is Alex Ligoski, as much as he wants to be a top four defenseman, and probably could at a lot of places, I still think in the league, is he a guy that would ever take a look and say, I'm willing to be a third-pairing defenseman on this hockey team at $1.2 million to try to continue with this group, provided Kevin Fiala's retained, providing Kale and Addison makes the jump? Do you think he ever considers something like that? I think he will be forced to. Honestly, with his age, uh, not the best skater, obviously, just because he is uh, aged a little bit. Um, but the problem is, is that he's played well. And so there's going to be teams out there uh, that will probably, you know, uh, tap the, uh, t- you know, tap the interest on him a little bit. But again, the question is going to be the cost. And easy for another team to, quote unquote, overpay if you only throw a man like that two million dollars and think that he could be a good second pairing defenseman that fills a lot of you know roles for you. Um, right. So it, the other it, question is too, what does Alex Galagoski want? You know, again, yeah. a grand a grand uh, rapids native, um, you know, does, does he want to stick around Minnesota? Does he like it here? Um, or does he want to continue to try to get it as much dough as he, as he wants? And does maybe, you know, another team throw him health three and a half, four million dollars for a season or two. Right. Uh, just to continue with the services to me, I don't see that happening. Cause again, they, the higher the age, the higher the risk, of the contract. Um, but at the end of it, um, I do think there's a very good chance that there is something to be discussed with Bill Guerin and Alex Goligoski question is, can they come to an agreement that works well for both the cap for him and the, um, and for Goligoski. So it's interesting, but again, I think you're right from the original point is, uh, if you can't get those numbers to align, then, um, I, I think Alex Goligoski will be, uh, will be a free agent and looking for another team to play for. Speaking of numbers and lines, let's take a look at Minnesota's schedule coming up this week. Uh, they host it Detroit. Busy. They host it. Yeah, it actually looks like a normal NHL schedule again. Um, they host Detroit uh, coming up tomorrow on Monday. They head to Winnipeg on Wednesday, and they host Florida on Friday before a four-game road swing on Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. That one's all in Canada, Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, and Calgary before some time off before hosting the flames uh, to cap off or to start the month of March, I should say. So we are heading into crunch time here for the Minnesota wild, but we'll head on, head on over ourselves to the extra ice session. We're going to talk uh, a recap, of course, of the men's hockey uh, three game set. They just had and a little bit of predictions for the NCHC. <laughs> 
And welcome into the Extra Ice section. Nick Maxson alongside myself, Noah Grant. Nick, I have some news uh, for St. Cloud State Huskies fans related to NCHC teams. There's a team that we're going to be cheering for down the stretch if you're a Huskies fan, and uh, you're not, you're not going to like it. Um, <laughs> well, they will if they want home ice. Yeah, that is fair. But how did the Huskies put themselves in this position? Let's back up to Tuesday, shall we? Um, St. Cloud was about 20 minutes away from uh, imploding <laughs> yep. this season. Uh, found a way in period number three against the Bulldogs, who were up two to nothing. Uh, Spencer Meyer um, able to cap off the comeback in the waning minutes of regulation, waning minute of regulation, so to speak, to get the Huskies knotted up at two, and then St. Cloud wins it in a shootout. By the way, Kevin Fitzgerald is a man with a smooth set of mitts. I'm just going to put it that way. He didn't have the game winner, but boy, good leadoff shooter. Same move both nights. Uh, and of course, as we know, Nick, the Huskies – Come back in period number three, um, and the shootout had zero controversy whatsoever. It was totally clean, and nobody was upset about it. So I wasn't um, upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for those of you who haven't gotten a chance, uh, check out MNCAA and the Twitter sphere that surrounds that related to uh, the non-call call. I think, do we want to touch on it a little bit, or are we kind of over it? I feel like I'm over I, it. I think I, we're over it, but I think the, the bigger, <laughs> the, well, I think the one that we haven't touched on is the shootout goal, because um, yeah. there were a lot of there was a lot of uh, inflated controversy um, yeah. uh, that I didn't think actually was necessary. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess so. I guess if we're going to start there, Nick, from your perspective, you're sitting at the booth in Stewart Hall in St. Cloud. You watched it live before the play was ever determined. What was your original thought? Goal. Yeah, I thought so, that, and again, yeah. that's without seeing the overhead. And granted, when you're in the studio in Stewart Hall, I've got a monitor in front of me. It's about the size of a 55-inch television screen, but it's got 17 camera feeds on it. Um, so what's what's lucky for me, and you know, when you, and maybe this is a bit of a television insider, when you're building your post game, right? Those clips, I'm the one that's picking those clips. Um, so you know, you're basically producing the entire show. Um, which is kind of cool. Um, but looking at that in real time, I thought the pucks on momentum carried it in. Yeah. When I saw the overhead, especially, and uh, again, great job by our crew um, who who does uh, put these together and is actually able to get these looks. Now, granted, overhead looks a little bit easier to grab um, since, you know, the camera's fixed in the same position all the time. Um, but what we saw was, you know, uh, essentially that the pad at the goal line, the pad didn't look like it was firmly uh, set. And it also looked like that, uh, you know, the stick, it was one handed. I don't think that there was any pushing motion. I think it was just a, just a continuous, uh, the continuation I should say, of the play itself. Um, and uh, honestly, I thought it was a goal all day. They took a very long look at it. I was starting to doubt yeah. myself. Um, uh, and granted, you know, for those who, uh, who are wondering, yes, the NCHC does have camera angles that even we don't have access to. Um, they do have the ability to tap into our feeds. And I, I know they were looking at quite a few of them. But uh, at the end of it, they made the determination that indeed was uh, a continuous play. And there wasn't any sort of secondary help from either the stick uh, of Crano to, to push that puck in. Yeah, it's kind of a weird like thing. Because if you go back to like, let's say there's another example where... You know, you have a goaltender who lays the paddle down and the paddle is nowhere near anything else. You have a shooter who comes in and is shooting. And as they're following through, the puck is like spinning along the blade of the paddle. But the shot is like coming through. I still believe that that's a goal, if I'm not mistaken, provided yes. that provided that it's a continued follow through in that play. Just because the puck touches a pad, 
the play is like it's dead, but it's not because of the fact that like the player is still allowed to finish their shooting motion. And that's exactly what happened is you have a player who is coming through and he's shooting. And as he's finishing the motion, his stick and the puck and pretty much the goal line all come into contact at the same time. And we talked about it on MNCAA as well, too. I mean, that play was so close on the goal line. It was called a goal on the ice that I don't even know if you, even if you want to make the argument to say that, you know, was, you know, was the follow through a second shot or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was called a, called a goal on the ice. I don't think that there was enough there to, to bring it Overturn back. Overturn it. Yeah. No. And, and from the looks that I saw, again, you're looking for something definitive, right? Which is, um, you know, was the stick jammed into the pad to push it? over okay. the goal line or, um, or, or did the pad kick the puck out and, and it was flicked in again, basically. Right. Yeah. Something where it wasn't part of the original play, right? Pretty um, much, pretty much where the puck separates from the stick of the shooter and yeah, then like com- comes and recontacts the stick. And I don't think that ever happened. No. Um, and, and again, I think that the, the momentum piece is what really I think sold me on it was if you watch the whole play, um, start to finish from the overhead cam, you could see that the puck hits the pad. The pad actually is already going backwards. It wasn't firmly planted. Um, the stick was in the vicinity. I don't, and again, one hand on the stick and Crandall's body is actually by the post. So there's no way you can get leverage on that. Um, and it, just from the momentum of the play, the puck itself actually crosses the goal line without any additional help. And that's the key thing is, you know, is it, is it helped across? Um, then it gets waved off. Um, but instead it was its, its own momentum that carried it on through. And um, therefore a continuation of the, the original play, therefore goal counts. Yep. I definitely agree. Let's move on to Friday night's game and I, a little bit of a, yeah, a little bit of an up and down game. And sometimes you just have nights like that where they're barn burners, where you're down by a couple momentum changes, you tally three straight team finds a way back. Boy, that shot by Western Michigan to tie that hockey game. That was about as Poland. Whoa. That was about as perfect of a puck as you, as you can get. And I don't fault David Rennick. I thought David had a great weekend. I thought he had a good string of three games, all things considered. I mean, and he had, you know, one or two that I think he'd like to have back, obviously, but that's just goaltending. And, you know, by and large, especially on Tuesday, he kept his team in that hockey game. So as we move to Friday, I mean, do you, do you chalk that up as David maybe being a little bit deep in his net there and being out of position? Or do you think it was just one of those shooters who caught a goaltender, well, caught a goaltender in between at the right time and was able to? He was in between 100%. If you actually yeah. watch the play, uh, Rennick was essentially sliding to cover the post. And I think Poland just surprised him with the shot. Um, You know, because that's the thing with the goaltender. I believe this was a two on one opportunity too, as well. I think there was another weak side winner that was two two on two. So as a goaltender, you're reading the entire ice, right? You're reading the shooter. And sometimes, you know, when you make that commitment to go to the post and hug it and uh, Poland saw that again, head up the whole way. And you have to tip your cap sometimes to a great shooter. That was a hell of a shot. Um, you know, yeah, he had, was. what, five, six inches to place that puck. Um, was David set to the post just yet? Nope. That's why, again, I mentioned he was in between. Um, but that's really not a fault of him. That's just a shooter timing it correctly and putting a lot of mustard and putting it in the right spot. That's just a great yeah. shot. To, to kind of explain that for people, too, you know, because – You know, you're saying, you know, oh, it wasn't really David's, you know, fault, you know, how we kind of leaned off the post there. For those who don't know what if you watch any player kind of enter the zone and do a similar zone like entry, you know, coming down towards the goal line there, goaltenders a lot of times 
I don't want to say cheat off the post, but they anticipate they're playing the percentages. They're anticipating what is the threat, what's going to happen here. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, just perfect timing where you catch a goaltender just slightly in between and shoot it at the right time and maybe surprise the netminder because that's what made the play, you know, so exciting is not so much the placement of the shot, but the fact that, you know, he knew or didn't really know, but kind of had an idea that Rennick might cheat just a little bit, might just lean just a little bit, and that's all he needed to put that puck in the net. So it was a very savvy shot. Um, I, you know, one of those that I was like, yeah, Rennick might want that one back, but it was just, you know, timing. That's- yeah, you that's know, a good. Was, that's a good shot. Yeah, very good. And you know the Huskies, uh, a lot of things to look forward to. I think on that Friday night as they moved into Saturday, there were some defensive things that obviously needed to be cleaned up. But I think anytime you put a five spot up in the NCHC, that's obviously a very good start. Yeah, and, and then one comment on Friday, uh, we actually talked about this on MNCAA as well as last week. I thought that one of the the big keys to the Huskies turning this around was getting to Dave Shyak hockey, which is the grease pan goals. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, on Saturday, he mentioned that quite a bit. And holy cow, was did Joe Molinar drink like a bottle of <laughs> lightning fluid? Like what the hell got in his head? Seriously, hey, I've, I've once, never. Once he gets close to tournament time, man, he starts to ramp it up. You know, it's one of those it's one of those curiosity questions, right? When a player who, you know, he he hasn't been really that kind of flashy in his career. He's had some good moments, right? I mean, he had the game tying goal um, against Mankato again in the Frozen Four semifinal. Um, but largely he's been an okay role player. Um, yesterday he was visible. He had a, he had some swagger yesterday, and it almost made me think: Did someone sit down and have a chat with him? Like, dude, like we need more from you. Like, we need this for. Then I'll tell you what: that fourth line, uh, yeah. Rocco, uh, Solquist, and Molinar. We talked about how important that fourth line was for the Huskies' success mm-hmm. last year. If they can replicate that fourth line play, that is what's going to turn this around for St. Cloud. Honestly. And how, big, and how big was the weekend, uh, you know, slotting back in for Aiden Spellacy for uh, Thomas Rocco? I felt like, you know, on Tuesday he had an okay game, but wasn't particularly, you know, enamoring. And then, you know, Friday back, was tough for him. Yeah. And then, and then came back and, you know, slotted back in and, you know, really kind of carried the mail. And that's kind of been Thomas Rocco. That's kind of been his, you know, thing is that he'll kind of be up and down. I think, you know, hopefully yep. th- throughout the rest of this year, we'll start to see that consistent piece where he can become maybe that role player that the Huskies need so desperately, um, but a much better win for the Huskies on Saturday. And I think by and large, and I said this even on Friday, I think if St. Cloud has similar efforts in the playoffs moving into tournament time, I think they'll give whoever they're playing a good run for their money. Obviously some things to clean up. We know that, but trending in a much better direction than they were. I think a week ago, the alarm bells, we're shutting them off for the time being um, right yeah. now. But I want to throw the trivia question out here, Nick, because we haven't gotten to it yet. And it does sure. concern um, some men's hockey. Your, your face, you're like, oh, yeah, we have it. Um, oh, yeah. So St. Cloud, uh, two ties uh, last week. That puts them to three ties on the season, all in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. they're te- they were technically on their longest uh, winless streak in almost two decades until they were able to get a victory last night as well, too. So kind of interesting. Thanks to Mahoney for that one. Um, however, which two seasons hold the record for most ties in a single season? And how many ties in a season was it? I don't expect you to get the years. You can take a stab. But uh, how many ties is the most ties in NCHC? Sorry, in NCHC. Okay, that limits the, the year. That's good. Yes, sorry. Um, yeah. No, you're good. Because um, we've had, what, how many times this year? Four? Three. Three. Yeah. Let's go five. You're close. Um, It's six ties. Um, So much wow's wow 
I think is how you say that was a winner. That. Yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's just me making noise. Um, 2017-18 under Bob Motzko, 2019-20 under Brett Larson. Yeah, uh, the Bemidji series. Yeah, that had two of them, I think, right? Yep. In fact, yep. Uh, in 2019-20, if I'm not mistaken, it was actually um, that in uh... one of the one of the years had all of the ties in like weekend series or like in sequential order they were in groups of two so it was kind of interesting to see that so let's go by year shall we nick uh yeah. first nchc season five ties um then from 2014 to 2017 those three seasons all had a single tie only six in 2017 18 three in 2018 19 six in 2019 20 three obviously this year and how many last year nick i don't remember a tie zero it is the only time in nchc play that the Huskies have not finished the season with at least one tie. So there's another fun fact and another trivia question for you, but yeah, let's kind of take a look a little bit now. Um, is there anything you wanted to add about St. Cloud state in the way that they're playing before yes. we go on to some NCHC? I'm sure that you have something that you want. to. Yeah. So just, just Holy cow. Um, this team is and we, the, Friday, Saturday was basically a roadmap to how they have to play the rest of the season. You're not, you yep. don't want to get into a horse race. Um, Again, uh, then the, part of it is just the way these teams like to play. Um, but also, I mean, how about um, Dave Shyak, Nick Oliver, and uh, and uh, RJ, um, the, the new assistant uh, video coach here coming over from CC, um, getting them to adjust on Saturday. Uh, just much better, especially through the neutral zone, really just limiting Western Michigan's um, attack through the middle, um, really taking away their speed, much better exits out of the zone. Although at times, and again, with good teams, it's not always going to be perfect. Um, and then, you know, especially for both these teams, which relied on the stretch pass a lot on Friday, um, just not relying on it, using their feet to get out of their zone. Um, so just much better. You could call it uh, not home run hockey. I think is, is the phrase. So just much better control, much better shorter passes and just a much better zone time too. I'm thinking a lot of that on Friday, it was just so many plays in the rush. And uh, you know, I think how you wear teams down is you got to cycle, you got to get below, you know, hold on to the puck a little bit and wear them down that way. Um, that's how they won against Western Michigan yesterday um, is you, you have to be able to take that puck possession and use it to your advantage. And I think St. Cloud much more control than that instead of being a pop gun offense on Friday. Uh, that's how I have to play the rest of the season um, and to be successful. And that's a winning formula, not only for the NCHC, that's a winning formula for the NCAAs. And yep. uh, again, a lot of traffic in front. They were taking punishment. They were getting in the dirty areas. Again, something that we have not really seen as of late. Um, again, I said it last week. Uh, I'll say it again. They have to continue to do that. That's going to be their formula for uh, getting back to Boston and to try to have another crack at a national championship. I have a shout out for somebody here, Nick, before we take a look at the NCHC. I have a shout out to Caleb Peabody. And you know why I say that? That man endures Twitter. And it's I don't impressive. Know how he does it. And it's impressive because. I was chuckling when I say chuckling, I mean it facetiously somewhat, <laughs> but say, wa watching uh, some people on Friday night act like this team was the worst pile of garbage they've ever seen. And then after Saturday's no. game saying, you know, should I, should I travel to Omaha next weekend? It's like, ah, okay, well, yeah, let's, let's just, you know, have some faith in the thing. Um, but right. <laughs> speaking Seriously. of, speaking of the thing, uh, let's take a look at the current standings here. The NCHC only has three weeks and change uh, left here in the regular season, right? Uh, February yeah. 18th and 19th, this upcoming weekend is the next set of games followed by the following Tuesday for the Huskies, then February 25th and 26th, and then March 4th and 5th 
And then we are into uh, playoff time and the frozen faceoff the next couple of weeks after. So currently, Duluth uh, sitting at 41 points, followed by North Dakota, uh, Western Michigan with 34 points, Duluth with 29. Uh, did I say Duluth first? It's Denver. That, sorry, Denver. it's Denver, North yep. Dakota, Western Michigan, Duluth, and then St. Cloud with 25. Nebraska, Omaha with 19, CC with 14, and Miami with 12. All teams except for Duluth and St. Cloud have six games left, so 18 potential points for them. 21 potential points for the Huskies and Duluth with seven games left on the docket. So, Nick, St. Cloud State, um, they uh, will likely have home ice, I think, if they can take six of nine points from Duluth in any fashion. Just looking at what Duluth's final schedule is coming up. I think if the Huskies can take what will be amounting to two wins against the Bulldogs, they'll put themselves in a good spot. But it's going to be close here. St. Cloud State, uh, Huskies fans, you are rooting for the Denver Pioneers, the Miami Redhawks, and Nick? North Dakota this week. North Dakota all the way through, actually. So let's kind of take you through a little bit. So Denver has Western Michigan coming up this weekend. So I think Third place is not out of the question, but Western Michigan has to really kind of implode and the Huskies have to play well, very well. Um, The Huskies have to win at least five of their last seven to even give themselves a sniff. And Western Michigan can pretty much only lose lose five points, I think, or something like that. Yeah. So a game and a half, if you want to put it that way. And their last opponent is Miami. So put that in perspective. Not going to so, happen. <laughs> so, Den- so Denver's got Western this this upcoming weekend. St. Cloud State, of course, has Omaha. Um, UND has the Bulldogs. So we are going to be big North Dakota fans coming up this weekend. And Miami has CC. Now the Huskies will host Duluth that following Tuesday before taking on CC February 25th and 26th. Duluth actually has Miami the following weekend. So how big would it be for the Red Hawks to grab uh, potentially their fourth or fifth Victory. They gave Duluth and they they gave Duluth fits too uh, in yeah. M soil. In fact, it was a uh, the Bulldogs one Friday, I believe, tied that Saturday, and they also gave Denver fits as well too. Almost stealing, stealing that game as well, and uh, they gave Omaha more than fits. They really ruined uh, the Mavericks weekend and oh put, put UNO kind of out of contention for chasing the Huskies down as well too. Denver has Omaha coming up that weekend, so I would say Denver root for them just because Denver is so far away from the pack and. Keeps the UNO off the Huskies' heels. And North Dakota has Western Michigan. So, again, uh, maybe favoring North Dakota because we're not going to catch them there on that one. And then the final week of the regular season, Nick, uh, Miami's got Western Michigan, so go Red Hawks. Uh, Nebraska-Omaha has North Dakota, so I still think you're cheering for North Dakota. You're keeping UNO off the Huskies' heels there um, and potentially keeping North Dakota away from a matchup with the Huskies um, by continuing to win. Um, St. Cloud has Duluth, of course, and then Denver has CC. So I'd say uh, Pioneers because CC is a little bit closer right now. Then week after that is the NCHC playoffs, and the week after that is the frozen faceoff. So, mm-hmm. Nick, uh, I have some pairwise stuff, but I want to start with the NCHC. Um, right. The Huskies, where do they end up to start off? Really, if you want to go down the line, what do you think your final predictions are? Where do the teams end up one through eight? I don't think they change a single bit. Okay. And that means Huskies stay fifth. Um, and that's tough. That's tough for me to say. Um, it, it really is. Uh, North Dakota's a great team, uh, but they're without Jake Sanderson. Um, they had actually a pretty good showing against CC themselves this year, but uh, this last weekend, but it's CC. CC is still a, a, a rebuilding program under Chris Mayotte. I think they will be much better the next season. Um, 
I just, I don't know. I, I feel like the Huskies, they haven't, to me, shown me enough consistency as of late to really give them the belief that they can do it. Um, now, with that being said, going into Amsoil in a best of three for the first one, the NCAC isn't the worst thing in the world. Because, um, again, as you mentioned, you the one place you, or the two places you definitely don't want to go is either, well, let's, let's say three. You don't want to go to Kalamazoo. You yeah. definitely don't want to go to Ralph and you definitely don't want to go into Mag- uh, to Magnus Arena. Yeah. So at the end of it, as you mentioned, to put it in perspective, why we say, hey, you know, keep voting for North Dakota and for Denver to keep winning because you don't want to face them first round. You want to at least get to the frozen face off and then take your chances on a neutral site at the Excel Energy Center. Um, yeah. So and I think for St. Cloud, um, I kind of want to see because they were the underdog last year. And I think they 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 kind of own that identity pretty well. In fact, I don't know if I'm mis- mistaken, but they they had a pretty successful postseason. Maybe yeah, it was all right. It was okay, right? <laughs> so, and I think for them, it just gives them something to continue to kind of get get to fight for. Um, yeah. And again, with this conference, there's there's not there's no short of anything as an easy weekend, right? Now, the the schedule does on paper favor St. Cloud these next two weekends, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, Definitely have to take care of business against Omaha. There's no question there on the road at Baxter. Um, and then, again, that one-off at home against Minnesota Duluth before welcoming in the call of the Tigers of CC uh, before finishing up at Duluth. So you have opportunities there to fight for that fourth spot. Um, I just feel like, you know, if if you ask me this question next week and we swept Omaha, I might change my answer. But right now, um, I'm not quite convinced. Um, I'm uh- I think it's exciting. And the reason I think it's exciting is because think about this, the path to the NCAAs, the path to NCHC home ice, the path to playing well into the NCHC frozen face off. Um, should the Huskies make it, it all goes through Duluth, Nick. I, mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. It really does. Think about knowing that three of your last seven games can, you control your own destiny in a lot of senses by specifically focusing on one opponent. It's not often in college hockey that we get to say that where we have this multi-weekend, multi-game battle with, you know, hey, a tune-up where the Huskies have tasted a little bit of uh, time in a national championship game. They're facing a team that went to five overtimes with North Dakota last year and before that was the reigning NCAA triple champion for over 1,700 days with the stoppage of COVID. I mean, Nick, what better opponent would you want than to try to tune you up to try to head into the NCAAs here? I I think it's exciting. And like you mentioned, scheduling-wise, like we said, the Huskies have Omaha this weekend. North Dakota's got Duluth. St. Cloud has Duluth that following Tuesday. St. Cloud's got CC, while Duluth has Miami, so a couple of teams that are lower in the docket for both teams. But then March 4th and 5th, the Huskies um, will match up against Duluth once again. So North Dakota, I think, is going to be very pivotal this weekend, too. But and, and how about this, Noah? Let's actually put this in a little bit more of a wider picture. Um, it's not even just a best of three right now. It's almost a best of six. Because if the schedule and the standings play out like it is, regardless of whether St. Cloud's in fourth or fifth, guess what? Minnesota Duluth is in fourth or fifth as well. So they're yeah. the first round matchup right then and there, which means, you know, in in that sort of a, holy cack, almost like a, a Stanley Cup playoff best of seven series, right? Um, yeah. This is going to be quite the battle. You talk about exciting, right? Um, holy crap. Um, you know, I would be okay with going up to Amsoil to play Duluth. They've had success in that building. Um, again, these two, whenever these two teams play, it's always just a joy to watch. Um, and I think, as you mentioned, because 
Duluth, for whatever reason, and and this is something we'll we'll have to catch on with our other podcast, MNCAA, and get Max uh, Vicious. But for whatever reason, Duluth seems to turn it on during playoff time. They're yeah. a tough up. They're a tough out. Um, do they lack a little bit of offensive firepower they have in years past? Yes, um, but they still know how to win those tight contests. They still know how to drag out games. They know how to frustrate their opponents. So, and again, these two teams know each other well. So it's, it's never, um, it's never easy. And then more recently, Duluth thought that they had essentially killed the Husky season. Um, and it went, and I forget who we interviewed on Tuesday after the game. Uh, but basically they said in the set in the second remission, they had a come to Jesus moment. They said it yeah. right on air and, and basically said, you know what? Yeah, we're down to nothing, but uh, gotta so find we, a gotta, way. we we got to find a way, and they did. You know, it wasn't a win, but they they avoided the loss. And again, for the pairwise implications this weekend, and then getting that win against Western Michigan, that was an absolute lifesaver for this squad. Um, I'm not sure they move up. I'm not sure. I don't think they move down uh, by how, any how, means. How about this too, where it's like uh, you know St. Cloud. I uh, quite honestly could still get Duluth in the first round of the NCAAs too. I mean, yeah. depending on the I pairwise mean, and the way. Holy cow. So, so I ran, so I ran some pairwise calculations, Nick, and I don't know how accurate they are, but there are some pairwise calculators that let you say you and math have never been great. No, they haven't, but um, we took a stab at it. Um, let me kind of say you took a stab at it. I did. <laughs> um, so, so Nick, I, from what I understand from, from my very horrible math um, and computers that are trying to help me, if Sanko loses all seven, they will be roughly 20th in the pairwise. So let's not do that. Um, if, yeah, so they'd be out. Yeah, if they lose six of seven, they will be 16th. So again, effectively out. For those who are wondering, you want to be about 11th or 12th to give yourself at least a, a good a solid chance. look at. Um, if St. Cloud loses five of seven with only single wins against Colorado College and Nebraska Omaha, so they split each of those weekends and then get swept by Duluth, they'll be roughly 13th. If they lose to everyone, but just sweep Duluth two games at the end, they are 12th. Okay. Okay. If St. Cloud loses four of seven with only single wins against CC and UNO again, and just one win against Duluth, they will be roughly 11th from what my math is serving me. So you want to talk about how pivotal trying to take six of nine points from Duluth, not only for home ice, but for pairwise standings and just yep. playing the way that you know how to play against CC and UNO, the Huskies, quite obviously control their own destiny, you know, heading down the stretch here. It's going to be an exciting finish. Now, Nick, as we head into this weekend, right, you got Nebraska Omaha, who I got to be honest, this, this was a weekend to, to really kind of close the shutters on the window for, for Nebraska Omaha, obviously losing uh, both Friday and Saturday night, getting swept by the number 45 team in the country in Miami, four to two on Saturday and Friday's score was, uh, excuse me, they lost on Saturday. I think they played, maybe it was Thursday. Yes, 5-4 to four, yeah. uh, Miami. That always confuses me. You're heading into a Nebraska-Omaha team that has not had the best season. It's probably a little emotionally drained after what just happened last weekend. But we also know another team that was a little emotionally drained coming into last week, and that was the St. Cloud Huskies. So what do you take from the Huskies' rebound and fighting with their backs against the wall, so to speak, how do you take that and counter a Nebraska Omaha team that in some senses is really fighting for the rest of their season in the NCHC and maybe the pairwise? Well, again, you know, it's when you're, it's, it's, it's how you respond to have your backs against the wall, right? Uh, St. Cloud showed that 
they can come together on Tuesday and at least have a fighting chance. But this is what makes the NCHC conference so different than other conferences is that, yeah, we, we can give shade to Miami and CC uh, for not having the season, but hell, Miami and CC have had good weekends, right? Just not yep. a lot of them. But that shows you that the parity there is still not that big. Um, and there's still a chance that you can be beat by these teams. Um, so, yeah. Is it further season for Omaha? Yeah, because the Parawise, they're flirting. I think they're, what, 16 or 18? They're somewhere in that in that, in that that realm. Uh, yeah. But either way, right, you're, you're still trying to put yourself in the best position to, to continue to move forward in your season. Um, and this is, for I think uh, UNO, this is probably uh, the weekend that you either are going to make a conversation that you belong in the, uh, in the NCAA playoffs, or maybe not. Um, it, it's, this is huge for him. So the thing with St. Cloud is you, you can't worry about the other team's position, right? You got to worry so, about your own. So I think, um, and maybe this is not, not updated. What did we say? St. Cloud was 15, nine and three in the season. These are updated yep. right now. Looking at the pairwise right now, St. Cloud has jumped to eight um, here. So they are currently sitting at eight. North Dakota is still at 10, which is, still mind-boggling to me <laughs> the way that that works uh you're talking about omaha they dropped to 22 Nick. Oof. so they're oh boy. 22 they're actually behind aic right now um so i uh, heard of kind of taking a taking a look if you go from 16 down it's clarkson who had a really good uh weekend against uh quinnipiac Yes, uh, uh, yes, Quinnipiac. Why was I saying UMass? But uh, North Northeastern UMass Lowell is at 14th, very quietly. Um, Ohio State and Notre Dame tied at 12th. North Dakota, Michigan Tech, who I believe Michigan Tech uh, had a loss last night. Um, I think they did too. Um, Massachusetts and St. Cloud, ironically enough, both tied in that eight spot. Um, How about that, huh? And then fifth place is a three-way tie between Duluth, Quinnipiac, and the Gophers followed by Western and Denver who are tied and then Mankato and Michigan to round out those top seedings there, Nick. So the Huskies have a chance to really control a lot of things, uh, you know, moving forward here, I'd say if anything, you got to get four of your last seven, you got to go above 500 uh, when it comes to your last seven, that's just your your initial start. Um, If you can get five out of seven, I think you're going to be more than fine. And uh, Huskies fans, darn it. Enjoy the ride, support the team. We're going to be right there with you. It's okay. Um, and you know what? I believe in this team 100%, but if for some reason the world implodes, hey, the tea times are just a little bit earlier, and that's not such a bad thing either. But the Huskies, they're going right. to do it. They're, they're going to be fine. It's going to be good. Nick, anything else to add for episode number 99? Yeah. So, uh, you know, no matter what happens, uh, again, Husky Productions uh, will be there on site. So, which means is if they – um, our home will be there um, yeah. to broadcast got, that opening round. We've got three regular season home games left, correct? That's it. Yep. yep. So a week off technically for HP, even though we're prepping for a very senior heavy uh, weekend the following again against CC. Uh, but then depending on the home seating, right? Um, if we are in the fourth place position, we will broadcast that best of three um, against whoever would be our opponent, likely again, Duluth. The math just seems to have destiny written on these two squads yet again. Oh, I mean, I mean, they only met seven times last year, Nick. Come right. Um, now, if we are in fifth, as I have sheepishly predicted. Um, oh, I, yeah. I, I, right. pre- I, I predict them to be in fourth, by the way. I never added that, but I think no, you never going to do it. But anyway. okay. Um, then we will be in Amsoil. Uh, that'll be me, I think, Rachel, and then a few other uh, folks. We will pr- be providing updates throughout, uh, just like we had last season. So 
And then obviously, you know, if, if they do take care of business four or five or seven, they end up getting uh, the call of the NCAA. So uh, we will be on site. We will travel wherever they go. Um, hopefully not Fargo. Fargo has not been great to this uh, squad <laughs> in the NCAAs. Um, if it goes out east, I, I'd be happy with that, honestly. Um, you know, we'll be there. And then again, if they end up getting back to, uh, to the frozen forward of Boston, we will be there as well. So we'll have all the coverage. And again, uh, you know, Noah will obviously here in the podcast, keep everybody up to date with our analysis and breakdown. So um, it's, this is playoff hockey. Uh, this is what yep. we, you know, we look forward to in September and October when the season starts and, you know, it's the roller coaster, as you mentioned, you know, enjoy the ride. Um, Huskies are okay. They're fine. Um, yeah. you know, but again, and to, to Huskies fans point, you know, every game now, uh, you know, it means a lot more on, um, cause again, you're, uh, yeah, everybody panic. Exactly. So, um, it's, 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 it's fun either way you either slice it. Um, and how about this? For Huskies fans, I I, I pros and this if, if they don't love this roller coaster, imagine being a a, a team like our fan of Maine. Yeah. Or imagine R I T. Yeah. R I T. Where you know these these last five six years and this this team has been so talented. They've had runs. Yes. Have some of them ended in I've, a very early fashion. Right. I've never known people to complain so much about a top ten to top five team in the country. Like. <laughs> And I, and I think, you know, to, to, to the fans point, it's, it's the apathy, right? It's, it's, they want, they see the talent. This team has never won a national title. Um, and I think it's part of its Minnesota sports fandom where we feel like, you know, it's a flash in the pan. When and, will the other shoe drop? Yeah. And at the end of it, well, the other shoe drop and it's like, we have one year of success and then it's 10 years of disappointment and we're not even in the conversation. And, and so there's, I think there's a little bit of that too, uh, that, that kind of plays into it. Uh, but no, this team has been competitive and it, they've been a joy to watch them and a joy to cover again. Every season's a roller coaster. It's never perfect. I mean, again, go back to last season. It was actually getting our butts kicked in Duluth that kind of started essentially our trend through to the, to the national championship game. It was a bad showing and it was the same conversation that we had uh, just this last week. So um, again, it's, it's been a joy to cover this team. Um, you know, it, it's, it's weird to say this because as a, as a senior, and I guess I'll throw this at the end before we wrap it up here, Noah, um, you know, from not only the coaching staff, uh, again, uh, the, the folks at Husky Productions, uh, the players who have had been uh, not only come on this show, but also help with HP, uh, you know, giving their time so graciously. It's It's been an absolute blast. And as weird as it's going to be, you know, whenever the season ends, whether um, it's in it's going to be sometime either March or April, however that is right. It's it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a highlight of of my career that I won't forget, and uh, it's it's gonna be I can't wait to see what these this final couple chapters has in store, and, and I hope we ends with uh, raising a big trophy. I just hope that when you go out to Pittsburgh, you bring Caleb and I a steak back this time. Just saying. Well, I won't be in Pittsburgh for those who are <laughs> knowing who are frozen for is that's in Boston. So. Yeah. It could be <laughs> but that that's that can pick where, where are the regionals good. this year by the way that's a quality question uh that's a great question i think forgo was one of them um <laughs> of course it is <laughs> well it wasn't last year remember maybe. it wasn't last year yeah maybe maybe it will say here um, it actually it does have um the regionals because those are just like the the frozen fours they they do get picked ahead of time well of course um, you have uh, um one of the um one of the non-conference games of course is in tempe but let's take a look yeah, um, Atlantic Hockey, uh, Loveland, Worcester, Colorado, Allentown, okay. Massachusetts, and Allentown, and Albany, Pennsylvania, and Albany. Okay, so a lot of actually out east. Holy cow! Yeah, um, 
Anyway, that's good. Gonna, I'm okay with that. Bring us There's, back a steak. Yeah, oh, right. Why why is Albany on the docket again? How about that building last year? Kind to the Huskies, but not kind to Pucks. That wasn't Albany. Wasn't it? No. Where that was that Where was Bridgeport. Oh. Are, are we sure? <laughs> yeah. Can you tell that we covered this team? Anyway. One of us does. <laughs> Just kidding. That will do it for the last double digit show in St. Cloud Huskies Warming Saint- House podcast. History. Nice, nice recovery. You know what? Well, you, <laughs> you monologue for about five minutes and I actually sat there quietly. So my brain doesn't know how to process that. But nonetheless, we're going to be back. We are going to be back. <laughs> we are going to be back for the century mark, which is just about how old Nick Maxson is. You won't want to miss Pretty it. Close. Episode number 100. Don't forget St. Cloud State women's hockey on the docket this Tuesday and Friday, Saturday against Duluth home and away to finish off their season. Men's hockey traveling to Omaha, then hosting Duluth, then hosting CC, then heading to Duluth to finish out the regular season for the respective teams. The Minnesota Wild still playing hockey as well. The Olympics going on. That's it. That's it. That's all we're going with. We will see you soon here for Nick Max and I am Noah Grant, and we will catch you soon here in the den. Timer come in, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.